Hi, this is Steve Addison and you're listening to the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to talk to Ray Vaughan. Since the last time we talked to him, Ray's role has dramatically changed from local practitioner to city catalyst. I began by asking Ray what he was learning about reaching a city of six and a half million people. In, in, in terms of looking um, at the city, we're starting out with a macro strategy and then moving to a micro strategy. And what that means is I could, I could take my team of full-timers and then I could just plug into an apartment complex and say, okay, let's go sharing. Let's go try and start groups. Let's go see how many churches we can get started and then see those multiply and increase. But then that just makes me a team leader. And, uh, and as a team leader into one area, that'll be good and that'll be a good start, but that's not going to help us reach the city or, or, or it's not going to see movement. So instead, what does it look like to, on a macro level, just start training as many people as we can on every uh, spectrum that we can, whether it's uh, African-Americans, whether it's Spanish speakers, whether it's um, even Arabic-speaking uh, churches or, or, or people or groups, uh, whether it's um, uh, just, just any, any, any possible person, we would like to train them, and then we can start uh, mobilizing multiple teams into the harvest um, is our macro strategy. So for the first year and a half, we're really just going to be training, training, training any person that we can just to get them into the harvest, into a particular area or location, sharing the gospel where that becomes uh, the norm for the culture here, uh, as well as getting to not just field one and two, sharing the gospel, but then field three of, of discipling them in their homes and, and in their workplaces or um, uh, coffee shops or wherever it is. And then, of course, forming churches around those people. So that's kind of been the... Uh, the, the clarity that's in my head as far as how we're attacking the city of Houston right now is we're just training existing churches, existing networks, um, pre-existing believers. And then, of course, we're also simultaneously in the harvest every day um, sharing, looking for people of peace that, that are, are brand new. So, so Ray, I'm, I'm hearing a few things. One is um, you've, you've built strong partnerships with a key church like Sugar Creek, Right. Then opening the door for training opportunities and partners with other churches in the city and other Christian groups. That's um, right. You're a team leader with a committed band of three couples. Uh-huh. Um, you're you're looking at the big picture and realizing if we throw ourselves into this and that's all we do, we're not going to reach a city of six and a half million. So you're out. Right. You and your team are out training and mobilizing and people might think training oh you're just teaching them in the classroom but you mean we're training and mobilizing we're getting god's people taking them into the harvest right across the city and all sorts of different african-american arabic churches all sorts of different churches you're training and mobilizing at the same time you're still in the harvest yourself yeah, yeah. We uh, so when we go into the harvest, we're we're typically re recently um, the first three days of of every month. We're really we just recently started doing a, kind of like a team push. Where we're going into new areas, um, kind of areas where we don't have churches in the city, or areas where we have maybe a training center look in the city where we're going to just kind of help mobilize uh, new people of peace around that church um, or that training center. So we are. Um, 
uh, going out for about three or four day pushes and all day and just looking for people of peace as a team just to kind of break into new areas. Jesus did that a lot where he would go into, to, uh, you know, in fact, in Mark 1, he goes into one village uh, in Capernaum and then he sees some fruit. But then this is the first time Jesus actually models a no place left strategy because they say, well, hey, there's more people gathered for you. And he says, no, we must go to every village. Uh, and that's why I've come. And so he moves on from in just the beginning of his ministry in Mark one. So we're kind of just saying, okay, let's, let's get into new areas, new, let's do several touches in, in different areas to look for people of peace that God's prepared, but then let's move out and look for other, other places. So we can really try to, uh, touch different aspects and areas of the city. And we're really looking for God prepared people and just following the, uh, the path of least resistance. The other time we're in training. Just so explain that's, that the path of least resistance. What's, what's that? Yeah, well, you know, I think the the ditches that, you know, we're, we're extremely methodological in terms of we want to follow a process. We want to make sure that we give tools in the hands of people, but we also want to be extremely spirit-led. And the, 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 uh, the accidental observation that people can make is either be one or the other. You can either be methodological or you can be spirit-led, but the, the two can't coincide. And, and I think in Scripture we see it very, you know— uh, that that disagrees because I think Paul, every city that he went to, he had a plan and a method. It's Jesus, every city that he went to, he knew what he was doing. He would go into the synagogues. He would, he would heal people. He would cast out demons. There were groups that would gather and, and but then he would move on. Um, so there was extremely, in a sense, he had patterns, Paul modeled patterns and, uh, but he was also very spirit led on where he went and where he stayed and how long he stayed. For instance, on a second journey, he was going to go up to Bithynia, I think it was, but that door shut. And so he went up to Troas, sat there, waited, and then saw from the spirit to go to a vision to go to Macedonia. So then he obeys and goes to Macedonia. And then later on, while in Corinth, he hears from God again, says, hey, no, stay here and you won't be harmed. So what does he do? He stays and follows the spirit. So we're really just doing that. So we have our our tools that are just kind of some handlebars to get people running. We have a a process just to help people have some next steps, but we're going to go wherever the spirit opens up doors and where he shuts them. We're not going to fight the spirit. We're just going to say, okay, we'll move on to wherever it is and, and pray that the Lord will open up that door like in Asia, maybe later on, like he did for Paul. Um, so we're just following the path of least resistance and, and going where the spirit leads us. Great. Great. So anything else in terms of your role as a city catalyst? There's there's quite a few hats you're wearing. Yeah. Well, okay. So just to clarify, um, the, the, the harvest time that we're doing, we're trying to do that individually just to make sure that we're modeling it and that we're, we're looking for new, new places, new areas, new people of peace. Uh, we go with our wives a lot. We try to do everything as a family. Um, so we, we try to do that as much as we can. But then along with that, we are uh, the second avenue of harvest time for us is we're trying to take out Timothy's. And that's the, the highest priority value for us. We, we actually wrote down high-value activities and low-value activities. And the poss- highest value activity that we believe that we could do is to be in the harvest with the Timothy, um, just somebody that we can model, we can share with, we can watch how they do it. We could uh, let them be the ones to disciple the fruit and, and continue to meet with them. So now it doesn't, uh, we don't, you know, get into having this wheel effect where we have 15 groups around us. Rather, we're helping other people get groups started. Um, so that's the highest value activity is going out with Timothy's. Um, so we, we take, uh, so I just had a training at a church called Woods Edge Community Church in, um, in North Houston. 
and they become a training center. And what that means for us is that they are hosting. So we have a lot of mega churches in the city and they have, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Well, we know that they're not going to train everybody in one event training. So a lot of these training centers, we're calling them training centers because they've committed to have monthly trainings uh, at every, every single month that are opening up doors for new people to come in and hear it. So uh, to get, to get equipped with lesson one fields, one and two. Um, now what that does for us is it gives us a new, uh, span of people every single month to filter into these training centers so that we, we can be looking for the obedient ones. We can be looking for those that God's doing something in, uh, the sleeping Paul's, the sleeping Timothy's that we can start equipping them and taking them into next steps and further down the, the, uh, the path and developing them in their leadership. So, so because we have developed... So you've not only gone in and trained and thought, well, our job's done now. We've got a team there happening. You've helped those early adopters um, form a training center. So it means you're not the one having to train everybody in Houston. You can refer people to training centers and then stay in touch to to see where are the, the, as you said, sleeping Pauls or sleeping Timothys. That's right. So we, we've started, we have, um, probably, uh, three to maybe five ongoing training centers. Uh, one is with Sugar Creek Baptist church. And that was our first one that got started. And uh, now there's a team that's raised up in Sugar Creek that is doing all of the training every month. So we don't have to be there, but we, we, you know, when we do go, we're just looking to coach and to help. And now we're, we're guiding them more in the areas of fields three and four, but the fields one and two, they are, they're sharing like crazy. They have teams that go out every week. The sharing the gospel is just is starting to become the part of their DNA um, as a church, and um, and uh, and they have members that are already training folks downstream now. Um, Woods Edge Community Church recently is getting on board, uh, where they have uh, they've already learned a lot of these tools. Uh, there was multiple trainings at their church, but now this is uh, since we've come alongside them, we've been able to to just kind of start to capture more progress, help them. Uh, go a little bit more through consistency of training. So now they're doing monthly trainings. The first Saturday of every month, they're training folks, um, taking them out. And we're going to be, uh, of course, looking to find out who's obeying, who's, who's uh, obedient so we can help them start churches, start groups that are multiplying. Uh, Sagemont Church is another church in Pearland, Texas, South, South Houston. We, um, they, uh, they, they're committed, I think, the third Saturday of every month. Um, and they're also giving us some short-term mission trips that we're taking into Houston uh, that are tied to the training. So we take them out. This first one is in March. We're taking them out into Houston, get among some international work, lots of training, lots of reps in the harvest. But then they're coming back to their Saturday training, and then they're the ones that are going to train the, the church there. And we're just coaching them. And then we have some through this uh, ministry called Hip Hop Hope through uh, Guy Kasky and his network. It's just been a great uh, connection with Guy, working with pre-existing leaders and other networks. Um, they've tightened up some of their lesson one, and they've seen lots of generations and, and some fruit. And from that, taking uh, just inner city, urban poor, uh, folks that are coming out of prisons and just plugging them into a network of, of folks that are really uh, going after church planting um, and making disciples to the fourth and fifth, sixth generation. And um, so they have a training center through that ministry where they are getting, I think, maybe even two times a month, they have folks that are being trained, new folks being trained from different churches. So we're leveraging these training centers as a way to find 
the people that we can start investing in and, and developing. So the training center at, at uh, here's a quick story of something yeah. encouraging. So we got a, a training center happen at Sugar Creek. We start training. We meet this guy named Otis. He's about um, maybe in his 50s, African-American guy, really sweet guy, real good heart for the Lord. But uh, been in the church for about 30 years. And then after we, we train uh, just, you know, who to share with, what to say, um, lots of reps through practicing three circles, he just is in tears. And he just says, I've been in the church for 30 years, but nobody's ever actually showed me how to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we said, we set small, we set just a small goal. We said, go share with five people this week. He calls us up three days later, said he's already done that. Who, what else should he do? So we say, share with more people. So he shares, he ends up leading 10 of his family members to the Lord, baptizes nearly, I think about four out of the 10, and then trains them. And now some of them have actually led two others to the Lord and possibly getting baptized in the next month. Uh, they meet now in a church in their home. Uh, Otis is directing or leading a church with the, that family uh, and some of her, his friends every other week, and they're committed to planting more churches. As a result of just this training, we're finding these guys like Otis's um, and just and just want to release and equip them. Uh, Otis now is somebody that's been an encouragement to the church as a whole uh, at Sugar Creek, and his story is pretty well known at Sugar Creek, and it's been encouraging to watch God use that. And, and so Otis is the sort of person you'll you'll make time to help him go the next step, and yep. uh, because so you're not running these training centers, you're the catalyst to get them started, and once they're bubbling away, people like Otis um, are, are, are sort of surfacing in those places, and and um, so it means I guess on any given week. Um, training is happening somewhere in Houston. It's starting to get to that point. I'd say in, um, and at least this, I know for sure this month and next month, there'll be, there'll be a whole level, like a six hour level one training every week, um, somewhere in Houston, a couple of weeks, they'll be doubled up. So we know that our goal is to train. We want to train 5,000 people here in 2016. And um, just we want to train as many people as we can, looking for all the people that we can. And then we want to develop that. So that's our macro strategy to so look for the five, When you say we want to train 5,000, um, you might train a few hundred, I'd imagine. Right. But you're saying in the training centers across the city, the we is, uh, you know, a citywide commitment. It's, it's doable, isn't it? Because you won't be the trainer for those 5,000. That's right. We're saying that we want to see 5,000 trained in the city. I don't mm-hmm. care who trains them. We yeah. want to know that they've been trained. And, um, and then that's just the idea of releasing. We want to release authority as quick and as much as possible. Um, and but, the training uh, always leads immediately to engagement in the harvest. So they're absolutely. learning on the job. Every, every training includes going out into the harvest. So it includes going out, sharing the gospel and, um, and then setting goals for, for the next month. And this is what it takes to reach a city of six and a half million. I think it's a start. And yeah. I think that the, the other, the other key thing is when we're training, um, you know, to be really looking. And I like what you said is to, uh, you know, not just looking for Timothy's, but looking for teams of people to gather, looking for, uh, really the generals looking for people that are going to be leaders. So I'm, I'm training at, uh, Woods Edge Community Church, and all of a sudden this guy comes out of the the this the the training, and he's a young guy. His name's Angelo. His wife Brianna, and they just 
uh, come to me and say, Hey, like we, we already have a group in our home. And in fact, when we moved into this complex, we knocked on every door, uh, in our complex. So they were already just this, like, you know, you meet with Angelo and he's, he's got every hour of his week mapped out. He knows exactly. So you get this general type and, uh, but he had no, he has no idea what process to go, you know, what, how to, how to multiply or, or anything. So now we're giving Angela lots of time, even outside of training, uh, cause it's not classroom. It's, it's relationship still, uh, focused, but we're, we want to make sure that the Angela really gets it and he's got it. So we're giving Angela and his wife a lot more time. And, and now he's, he's, uh, in that group that started in his home, he's identifying that as church. He's putting three thirds into that. And now they're going out sharing every week. And they're, they're, they're getting now a, a, an idea of what this looks like and how to multiply. So we want to look for, for, for the generals, for the people that God's just already got, and we want to give them as much time as possible. Ray, what are you learning about, for you, staying sharp in the role that you've got? There's a couple things that come to my mind. One is trying my hardest to increase abiding uh, in prayer life. I think that... Um, you know, as a team, we're constantly asking ourselves, how are we abiding? We, uh, if we're not careful, we can feel a little bit, uh, critical, uh, about ourselves a lot. We want to make sure that, you know, we want to be the, the Chuck Woods and the, the Ying Kai's that are on our, our, our faces praying for, for five hours, it feels like. But, um, you know, we just, we know that we all have a lot of room to grow in abiding. And so that's, that always helps us. The best thing that we can do and I think we're saying that a lot in our team is the most productive thing we can do in our day is not train or, or take somebody in the harvest. The most productive thing we can do with our day is, is, is hear from Jesus and obey him. And, uh, and so that's, that's what we're trying to build into our, our DNA. Um, I think staying sharp for me just looks like spending a lot of time with Jesus in the word. Uh, everything that I say, if I can, if I can match that with the word, Everything that I do, if I can match that with the word, um, I think that'll, that'll be stronger for the movement. Um, somebody said, if, uh, uh, I remember somebody saying, if, if, uh, if we don't do what we see in scripture, we'll never see what we see in scripture. So, uh, so I just want to make sure that everything I see in scripture I'm doing. And, uh, and I, I believe that the fruit will come out of that. Uh, the other thing is just reading books. Like I've been, uh, been working through some of, uh, Steve Smith's no place left novel, uh, been reading your, your book and, 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 uh, getting acquainted with that. It's been great. Um, I've been, uh, just trying to keep learning up constantly on the phone with guys like Troy and Jeff and Chuck, just like, you know, uh, these are like the Gandalfs. You know? So we're just yeah, learning. I, I call them Yoda, but maybe Gandalf is a better name. Yeah. Just learn from them. I can't tell you how many times like, you know, Jeff will just be on the phone with you for, for three hours or two hours. If Jeff you really Sandell. ask. Yeah. Or, or Troy or even Chuck. So just, yeah, just yeah. all of that's good for me as a, as a city strategist is to know I have a, uh, a pipeline of, of, intake that I can have that fills me as well as, as I have, I have a city that I can be outpouring to, but, um, that, that helps me stay sharp. And then my wife, I think me and my wife are, are, you know, I'd say definitely we're built to do this together. God's blessed me with a wife that, that really wants to see movement and is in the harvest with me. She's not afraid to share the gospel. She's, she's, uh, she's bolder than me, you know, and, uh, she challenges me. She hears from the word and she obeys the word and, um, so that helps me stay sharp too. When you have a wife that loves Jesus and wants to challenge you in that area. Right. Looking back, 
Now that you're in this City Catalyst role, how did God prepare you for what you're doing now in Houston? If I'm honest, I could feel more overwhelmed being in a city with that's as large as Houston. But I think what's prepared me is being in Columbia, starting in a smaller realm. And and, and all honesty, the thing that's prepared me the most is, is failing. Um, I think to know that I failed enough, um, to, it, it, it shows me that I, I, I have perseverance at least, and hopefully I can maintain perseverance. Um, here's, Paul, Paul, uh, he can, uh, commends his work as an apostle or va- uh, validates his work as an apostle more than any way else. He validates it through perseverance. Constantly, he is he is reminding. Look, I, I am not a false apostle because I've 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 suffered through shipwreck, through beating, through hardship, through trial, through uh, constantly. I have the burden of the church, and any false apostle or or somebody that's not really called to this type of work is not going to persevere through those things. And uh, the fact that you know, learning to persevere through churches that get started and flop. Learning to persevere through teams that that you feel like formed, but then don't. Learning to persevere through being in a city and feeling like you're the only person that 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 is really wants this, um, even though you're not, but you just haven't met those people yet. Uh, learning to persevere through loneliness. Learning to persevere through I have no idea what to do next, or uh, learning to persevere through getting to third generation, but then it all flopping. Or second generation and it flops, or or uh, man, how how do we get to fourth and fifth generation church? Um, learning to persevere through hardships with pastors and that don't share your same view on church or on leadership or on baptism or just I think learning to persevere has helped me to realize that it all comes with the territory of trying to get to movement and no place left and by embracing that role. Uh, and that vision and that call, I, I'm also needing to say yes to expecting all of those other hardships. Um, and so I think I still have a lot more growth to do, but that's definitely one thing that's persevered or that's helped me um, in, in, in this work. If you've been inspired by Ray's story and want to get some training, I'll post some links at movements.net. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.